Welcome in everybody to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. I love saying the word Friday. Yes, love saying it. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter for your Houston Texans. We've got plenty for you on the show, but we will start the show. I wouldn't say as we always do, but when I'm hosting, I love to have the voice of the Texans. And, of course, my boss, Mark Vandermeer, on the show. Mark, how are you doing? Johnny, I'm doing great. Looking forward to a big weekend. Anybody who's working, we've got you entertained with this. Podcasts, everything on HoustonTexans.com, video-wise, and Texans 360, Saturday night, 11 o'clock on ABC 13. Did I promo enough stuff? I'm going to give a a few shameless plugs. Number one, the last Vandermeer's view that we did Mm -hmm. was Stories from the Booth. Right. I don't, I don't know if you've done another one since. I have another one. Oh, go ahead. That was that You're was really like fun. this next one, by the way, which I think is up right now. Right. It is. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, I have Joe Zagaki on, who's the voice oh, of the Miami Hurricanes. Yes. And we go verbal 30 for 30 on Canes, who have played in the NFL, some for the <laughs> Texans, of course, one very notable one, the history of such. And, you know, people always ask me my Andre Johnson stories from the University of Miami. He's got great stuff joe yeah. does that i forgot about or didn't know in the first place and it's good what the guys used to call him yeah. when he first came out i mean it's just you got to listen it's up vandermeer's view on itunes and on houstontexas.com well for those that for those that don't know we went to sec media days this was maybe four years ago and didn't know joe at all had no i had no idea about joe we're at sec media days but the as Orange Bowl representatives, Joe was there and somebody else was there as well. We sat down at the table and I was wearing Texans gear. And he goes, Hey, you know Mark Vandermeer? And we all chuckled because all of us obviously knew Mark Vandermeer. We we're like, hey, Yeah, we know Mark. And he goes, My name's Joe Zagaki. And I was like, Okay. And he goes, I used to do games with Mark at Miami. Now he had my attention, like, Whoa. And so kind of moved my chair a little bit closer, and, and he was like, yeah, you know, now I'm the play-by-play guy. I followed Mark. I've been there forever. So then we told you that we met Joe, and you about fell out of your chair. You're like, that's awesome. But it was at SEC Media Days. So it was kind of weird, and, but it was really neat to have that connection. So Vandermeer's View has that. I will listen to that on my way to Austin today. So that will be something that I will do later this evening. Uh, on my way in the lab this week, Drew and I, you can go check that out on Tuesday – uh, and also Deep Slant interview or Deep Slant podcast. DP Sidhu had Sean Pendergast on of the Triple mm. Threat on Sports Radio 610. And, of course, he tells all the stories of Sean and I doing a show together many, many eons ago when we both got our start in radio at another radio station. It's very fun. Now, Sean is doing very well with the Triple Threat and on national radio on CBS Sports Radio. Now, Mark, you, on your Vandermeer's view, the written ver- – so wait a second, that just hit me. Yeah. You have Vandermeer's View, the written version, yes. but then you got Vandermeer's View, the podcast. It's always a brand thing, Johnny. It is a brand thing. It's all about branding. It is. But you talked about the you talked about the division. Now we've talked about the division, just looking at the division as a whole, and I've said a few times with the AFC South that A, it's as good as it's been in a long time, if ever. Mm-hmm. B, it could be the best division in football. In right. 2018, and I, I, I still am on that train. And see, depending on whether Andrew Luck comes back or not, that could really tell you, especially, we've talked about the top three teams. Sometimes the Colts were like, well, we don't know what's going to happen. But if Luck comes back, to me, there's no question, it is the best division. Now, that said, your article today talked about, is this the 
strongest the division has been since the Texans have been in, in 2002? It's probably a contender, Johnny. But there's no way you can call it the strongest division in football. Uh, well, or the strongest the AFC South has ever been. Right. Because 2007, and I'm just looking at something right here. 2007, the AFC South was unbelievable. And okay, 2007. Mm-hmm. Now, in the, I'm, that was my first year here in Houston, so I'm trying to think yeah. of the division at that point. 2007. So, in Jacksonville, you had David Garrard. Right. And the Jags ended up going to the playoffs. And what did they do in the playoffs? They beat Pittsburgh. They beat Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, you had Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Rob Bronis was kicking 8 million field goals a game, RIP. Um, And then you had the Colts. What did Tennessee do that year? I'm trying to remember what Tennessee did that year. Tennessee went to the postseason in 2007 with Vince Young. They went 10-6, and Tennessee did. And the Colts, of course, had Peyton Manning at that point. And they went 13-3. and Tied to their second best ever regular season record. And the last place team in the AFC South was your Houston Texans at eight and eight. Okay, now need I remind you that a couple of years ago, eight and eight flirts with winning the division. Then it was the last place record in the division. That was the first time the Texans ever finished eight and eight. So two thousand seven you had the Colts thirteen and three, Jaguars eleven and five, Titans ten and six, Texans eight and eight. Nobody had a losing record. And the winning team, it wasn't like they were 9-7 and seven and everybody bunched in. The Colts were 13-3. and three. The only division that you could say could have been stronger or just as strong was the NFC East. With the Cowboys having a big year at 13-3, yeah. and three, then the Giants 10-6, and six, and they won the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl that year. Yeah. The Redskins at 9-7 and seven, and the Eagles at 8-8. Eight and eight. So they and the AFC wow. South, the only divisions with all the teams having 500 or better records. Is that... And I know we haven't done the history, but mm-hmm. so I'm, I don't know. Maybe if I'm asking this rhetorically in some sense, but is that the last time that everybody was 500 or better in the division? In the AFC South? Yeah. I mean, oh, it's, it's yeah. almost got to be because there were years where either Jacksonville and Tennessee were awful, were, were bad. And, of course, the Texans have had a couple of hiccups in 2013 mm-hmm. in this past year. But to have everybody 8-8, eight and eight, would it how surprise about, well, you? How about this? Three playoff teams. Yeah. You have, you have, that's the only time in the history of this division that you had – Two wild cards coming out of the division. Scale of 1 to 10. Yeah. How surprised would you be for those two things to happen? Three teams for the AFC South get in, and all four teams go 8-8 eight and eight or go 500 or better in the division this year. I think that the first thing is more likely than the second thing. Mm-hmm. That, I'm not saying it is likely, but it's more likely to have three playoff teams because I still don't think the Colts can go 500. I'm still iffy on Andrew right. Luck. I think the Texans are capable of a big bounce back and getting into the playoffs. I think the way Tennessee and Jacksonville are, you could have all three teams in. Based on what they did last year, you hope for, if you're them, incremental improvement at the very least, and maybe everybody gets in, except for the Colts. Now, could the Colts bounce back to a plus 500-plus type record? I think that that's unlikely, but, you know, injuries, and let's say Andrew Luck is suddenly fully healthy – you never know what can happen. Everybody's beating each other up. Everyone's around 8-8, eight and eight, and then they creep above everybody else, kind of like the way it was a couple of years ago before everybody gets super strong. I don't know. I doubt that happens, but anything's possible. Another really strong year was the next year when you had Tennessee at 13-3 and three and the Colts yep. at 12-4, and four, and the Texans finished 8-8 eight eight again, but the Jags fell off the face of the earth at 5-11. and 11. 
That was a big year as well. I mean, it's funny to watch the history of this thing. He had one year in 2012 when the Texans went 12 and four, and the Colts were actually 11 and five in Andrew Luck's rookie year, 11 and five mm-hmm. yep. in a wild card team. So you've had some strong years in this division, but to say that this is going to be the strongest, it's a hard stretch because I doubt everybody finishes at least 500, and you have a team going 13 and three. I think that's almost unlikely as well to have somebody run away with a 13-3 and type record. Andrew Luck is fully and completely healthy for the Colts. Mm-hmm. More likely to happen, 16-0 and or 0-16? Ooh. For the Colts? Yeah. Fully healthy? Andrew Luck is fully healthy. It's Plays all 16 neither. games. Uh, more likely to happen would be 16-0 and <laughs> if he's fully healthy. But it's not going to happen. Like no, if you had I, odds on either one of those happening and you had to pick one or the other, yeah, I know. 16 and 0. I know that's tough. But just thinking about 8 and 8, like where the Colts would be if he's if he's and, and that I mean that to me is the big that's the wild that's the wild card in this division because I could completely see a team going 13 and 3. I could see 11 and 5. I could see 10 and 6. I could see that happening because and we've talked about this. Yes, this division matches up with the AFC East and the NFC East. And when you look at those divisions, and the AFC East is Patriots. Right. And, okay, say the Patriots go 4 0 against AFC South. I don't think that'll happen. But let's but say give it, it does. to them for sake of argument. I don't know that the Dolphins, Jets, or Bills end up knocking off anybody else in the AFC South, except for the Colts. I think the Colts are the team that they can end up beating. I think the Titans, Texans, and Jaguars are clearly better than those three teams by a long stretch. In the, in the NFC East, you don't know what you have with the Cowboys. The Cowboys, they've gone so. They're, they're kind of the. I don't know how to say it, but they're the huge swing in the NFC East. Like 2016, they're fantastic. Last year, they're eight and eight or whatever it was. They just kind of ride the wave. There've been years where they've been five and eleven. There've been years they're thirteen and three. I just don't know what really to trust. And obviously, you got the defending champs in there, but Redskins on paper, I don't. I don't. The Redskins don't scare me whatsoever. Uh, and the Giants. That, to me, is going to – I think the Giants bounce back. I, I'm going to – I think the Giants bounce back. I'm going to dim the party lights a little bit here. Actually, that would be making the party better. I'm going to turn on the floodlights on okay. the party here about the Cowboys because they did go 9-7 and seven last year. 9-7, In yep. a bad year. Yeah. In a, quote, bad year. This is a and team – Zeke was suspended for six games. This is a team that has some capability of bouncing back. And I would say that that division is a little wolf in sheep's clothing-like heading into 2018 here because the Eagles just won the Super Bowl. Let's see if they have a – you know, come back to earth. But mm-hmm. all right, let's say they win three fewer games. They're ten and six. They're still a tough team to beat. Yeah. You have them second to last week of the season. It's going to be tough up there. Redskins went seven and nine. So as horrible as they are, yeah. they went seven and nine, and that means you can beat anybody. And they have Alex Smith coming in. I don't know what that's going to mean for them, but we'll find out. And the Giants three and thirteen last year. I think that's the team that bounces back, though. They're going to bounce back. I think you had I mean, Saquon Barkley. Odell Beckham Jr. ends up being healthy. They had an eight solder at tackle. The offensive line is going to be better. I mean, who knows what you have with Eli. But I think that defense could could bounce back. I mean, Olivier, Olivier Vernon's still there. Snacks Harrison is there. But they don't have Jason Pierre-Paul. Mm-hmm. So That's a big do, one. Do they have a great pass rush? Yeah. I just think they're going to outscore people. But I'd much rather be matched up with the NFC East this year than with the NFC South, which will be 2019. I would much rather face off with the NFC East and the NFC South. I mean, first of all, you get Dallas here. I mean, that game, yep. no matter what, is going to be uh, an entire week leading up to that one. It's going to be like a like a bowl game plus plus atmosphere here, which is going to be fantastic. But I just – I'm not buying the Redskins. 
I think the Giants will be better. How much better? They've lost a ton of talent over the last couple of years. I think the Eagles come back to the pack a little bit, and I've said all along, I think that Week 16, nobody really agrees with me on this. I just think Week 16 is not going to matter for one of these teams, for one of them. And I don't know, maybe both. But I just don't think it's going to matter because they're going to be – things are going to be sealed up for one of them at that point. I don't know. I do think the Cowboys will be better, but who are the Cowboys throwing to? Mm. Who the, who are the Cowboys throwing to? Their best option, apparently, is Alan Hearns. There's no Witten. There's no, hey, let's lean on Witten with Y point. option anymore. That's good who are you point. throwing the ball to? There's no Des Bryant. You're going to run Ezekiel Elliott behind the best line in football, and I, and I would too. But they can bludgeon you that way. It's almost more of a Jacksonville sort of vibe. So two years ago was a great chance for them that they blew when Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers. It's hard to say they blew it when Aaron Rodgers makes superhuman plays yeah, the way he do? did. What are you going to do? But defensively, other than Demarcus Lawrence, you look at defense and go, they scare you? I mean, I, Sean Lee and Jalen Smith, I think, will play pretty well. But you don't know if Sean Lee's going to be healthy. Okay, I'm dimming the party lights again. Okay. The party's back on, John. party's back on. party's back on. <laughs> I convinced you in the NFC East. That's why I say the South, I mean, look, I, I, I'm not convinced that Jacksonville completely repeats everything that they did last year. Yeah. I do think that Jacksonville played its best football in the playoffs, which is what you want out of a team. I think that's when they played. The, th- think about it. When we went Monday Night Football – one week after beating the Cardinals, we were up in Baltimore. We were sitting in a sports bar in that hotel that we were in watching the Cardinals, who we just beat, beat the Jaguars 27-24. But the Jaguars got in the playoffs and I think played their best ball right there at the end of the divisional playoff round. So, But, but that shows you right there. I mean, it's, the, uh, it's obvious to say anybody can beat anybody, but that's why a team like the Cowboys, I, all right, maybe record-wise, you're right, but right. They, they're going to give you a hell of a game, oh, especially no here. Especially because they can run the football that well. Giants week three, it's like, oh, you just got through this brutal two-game stretch, win or lose, whatever you did on it. You were on the road twice to start the season, and now you have the New York Giants here at NRG Stadium, like we talked about when we were doing the road schedule the other yeah. day. That is hardly a, a cupcake, get-well type game. I don't care what last year's record was. And early on, even if you're 0-2, 0-2 doesn't mean anything. You know, record doesn't mean anything early. It's like, how good really are you? Yeah. Uh, although 2-0 and with the Texans would mean something at that point. I'll uh, <laughs> say that right now. I'll take it, and I'll like it very much. Thank you. Oh, going 0-2 and then having to face Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. is That's not going to make thing. for a very comfortable Sunday, that third Sunday. That's the thing. So, oh. you know, we'll just uh, we'll hope for the very best right there. Yep. But I can't wait. It's all going to start soon enough. Mark, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Johnny. Coming up next, Drew Doherty will join me and talk about, well, the best thing he found in his office. Well, I'll explain next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Texans All Access on this Friday evening from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Had Mark Vandermeer on the show. We're talking about the AFC South and the strength of the AFC South. And now I bring on my good friend, my in-the-lab partner, hey. Drew Doherty. Drew. What's, what's up? Go- what's going on, man? How you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, the weekend and packed up my office today. Well, that's why I wanted you in here. Yeah. Because for... Look, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of movement around here. We've been talking about this. Mm-hmm. New sports performance team. Yep. Nutritionist, Luke Ladd. There's been a lot going on. There's a ton of construction going on in this building. Just and, right outside these doors. Right, right outside these doors. Locker rooms, 
training room, meeting rooms. I mean, you name it, including upstairs where our offices are. Mm-hmm. We are moving, yes. not to a different like location, but just a different location in our own building. Yeah, where there's some configuration going on. Moving down the hall. We're moving down the hall, basically. So that means that we had to go through all of our offices, mm-hmm. and I went through my office, and I have a half office. I share it with Jesse Clark, mm-hmm. our social media guru, who is in Madrid, Spain. And so we've been going through the offices and packing up, and I had like I had two boxes. Like I had one legit box that was filled with stuff, and then I had – so I cleaned my office out yeah. uh, in, a, in a big way. Now, you have been in that office for longer than I've been in, in mine, and you got a full office. It's a palatial office. It is. When you – at some point, you emailed the group on something, and you – oh, by the way, pr- there's a prize for the person with the best – find in your office and you're like everybody's playing for second place yeah vandermeer said hey there's a prize and then yeah. i immediately responded with all you chumps are playing for second place because i got this right. locked up yeah emphasis on chumps yeah uh and we were the chumps yeah so I what was knew, it i knew i had like just a treasure trove of weird stuff that i didn't i knew what i didn't know and what i didn't know i knew would be weird the I would imagine Follow? if people start cleaning out their offices, they're going to end up finding some weird stuff. Like, oh my god, I've got like gummy bears from mm-hmm. like you know 2009 in here. I had oatmeal from 2000, probably 11 in there. Oatmeal packs. That's pretty good. That's pretty away. good. Yeah. What was that one item that you found? <laughs> one. Come on, John. I had dozens. <laughs> you had multiple. I had dozens. I uh, I tweeted about this earlier today and took photos of some of the just weirder things i had probably i had a santa claus hat i had a elf hat that you know dwight from the office wore yeah i had about three or four baseball caps i'd never taken the tags off of had a super bowl beanie had a dia de los muertos plastic hat had two luchador wrestling wait, wait, masks wait, wait, wait. hold on go back away you had a what a Dios de los dia muertos, de los muertos. it's november 1st yeah, yeah. day of the dead yeah it's like this uh party hat so i had that i i don't know where i got this it was like a stand-up cardboard cutout of the villain in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I was behind my TV for some reason. I had one of those. <laughs> That's pretty good. I had um, the cue cards for the rookie hazing episode of On the Nose with Sean Cody that Cody was talking about. He said, hello, Texans fans. It seems like every year you hear about an unders- a widespread practice. Throughout the- this is all written on an yeah. orange poster board. Had a nameplate for Brooks Reed. Another nameplate for Philip Supernall. Wait, hold on. Another nameplate for Brian Pittman. So hold on. Hold, wait, Brian Pittman? Yeah. Brian Pittman. He was a, he was a long, snapper. long snapper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how did you come up with those? I don't know. But I'm, I I'm I had a good relationship with Brooks and with Supernall. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, I don't know what happened. I, I somehow came up with those. So so nameplates, if you want a nameplate, the things that get in the locker room. Right. There's a little slot. Now the Texas locker room now there's just it's just their number it's not their name it's yeah. just their number but over their locker there would be like a slot and you slide you know a nameplate uh-huh. in and it shows obviously who's playing in those and that was always a big I I've still got I don't know my parents packed up my my room when they left the house but I had mine on my bedroom door it was my number and my name I got mine from high school yeah we took all our name tag like track and field one but we never had one in high school because. We just were that way, I guess. I guess we had to show It was pretty revolutionary when I I got mine in 94. But you also went to a high flute in private school, too, uh, so anyways. that's a little different. Uh, there was a vote. I found a vote for Jacoby P. 
Pin. <laughs> Hold on. Pin. Vote for Jacoby. Yeah, like Jacoby Jones from 2009. What, for the Pro Bowl? For the Pro Bowl. Didn't make it that year. Uh, we did an official yearbook in 2001, evidently. Now, this is way before I got here, but I found that. In An my official desk. yearbook from 2001. Yeah, who's on the cover? It was just two 32 Wait, jerseys. How could we have a How could we have a yearbook? Well, because remember that the organization was founded before that, and right. so they had they had hired the coach at that point. They right. hired Dom Capers and Charlie Castle, so they had info on them and Mr. McNair stuff about him, and it was uh, it was chugging along. They had the plans for the stadium. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind reading that. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. That'd be kind of cool. That's the one thing. That's the void in my. Texans life, if you will, is O two even before that, from two thousand to two thousand seven. Because I moved back in two thousand seven, mm-hmm. so we could start the radio station. I'm along uh, the same lines as you, John. I, I mean, I was in Texas, but it was I was I was not I was in Dallas and yeah. Lubbock you just and were Austin. Into Houston. Yeah, and so I, I kind of saw that from afar. I also had a voicemail log book, and it's it's like you write down messages. Somebody calls and they say, "Hey, can you uh, tell John to call me back?" You write down, you know, your name. Oh, and... like those little pink. Yeah, yeah, the pink slips. Yeah. So there's one of those. At a, uh, <laughs> we used to do, we used to record conversations and podcasts. Sometimes I'd do a phone interview. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just would. I had basically a phone tap. I could tap a phone. So I found that old phone <laughs> tap. I had four different voice recorders. You know, like little yeah, handhelds. Yeah. Old school. Old school stuff. Everybody's doing it on phones now. Yeah. You know when that's the thing when you walk into a a media scrum session, if you will. Can't I don't think I can say the name that they're actually called in the media world. Mm-hmm. But in the locker room, you see whenever you see videos of players in the locker room, you know that's a little what we call media scrum, and you'll see there's like the, basically the a semicircle of of media around a player, right? Yeah. And of course, they just inch closer and closer and closer, which makes some guys. I know it makes Coach O'Brien he he hates that, but anyways, uh, there's some players that do that as well. But anyhow, invariably you'll see somebody with a hand with a phone. You, if you see somebody walking in there with age old recorder, yeah. with just the old school recorder like those that you have, you're like, okay, that 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 guy's truly old school because you can do it on the phone so easily now. It's, I mean, I do. It's I, pretty much the same, if not better quality. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so you see everybody doing it with the phone now. You don't need that recorder. But that was one of the first purchases I, I had when I got into the business was getting one of those recorders. I figured I'd be in a locker room. Getting some sound, like I got to do that, mm-hmm. and then of course phones. Just what is it you can't do with with a particular phone? So, what was the item that you found that you knew was going to be number one? You would beat everybody. I mean, I think that stand up cutout thing was pretty weird. It's pretty weird. I don't know why or what that <laughs> was there for. That was odd. I found okay, a. Okay, what I found did a you re- plan to do with it? Are you keeping it? Well, I've I've repositioned it somewhere okay. else. So somebody's right. going to find that and be surprised by it in their office. <laughs> Is it going to end up in my office? No, oh, no, it doesn't involve okay. anybody in All our right. group. It's somebody okay. else, but they'll be very okay, pleasantly or unpleasantly surprised when they see it. I saw. You know what? When I was in Lubbock, that was where I, I was there from 05 mm-hmm. through '09 before I got here. Yeah. In '08, the Texas Tech media relations department came up with a great campaign because they had Graham Harrell. And then I, Michael Crabtree. I had the button. They had two of the yeah. It was it was pass or catch. Two thousand eight. You know, it coincided with the presidential election. But they were trying to get those guys to New York for the Heisman. Yep. And I still contend Crabtree should have won that Heisman yep. over the four quarterbacks who all pretty much put up the same numbers. Sam Bradford wound up winning it. Definitely. Anyways, Crabtree was better than them. Anyways, they had a pass or catch campaign. I found a 
that notebook from that campaign, and I tweeted that out. To I them used too. to have that fun. One of my favorite things I was I used to be a member, and I probably still should be, of the Football Writers Association of America covered college football, and I used to be a member of that. You got all that stuff, all I those mean, campaign stuff. Here's the best thing that I ever got. I don't know if you'll remember this. This is this is dating myself. There was this thing called a viewfinder. Oh yeah, you remember a viewfinder? Sure, sure, yeah. And you do the little 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 button on the side. My mom has them at her house, and the, my kids play with it now. Do they? And mm-hmm. you would turn it up to the light. That's the way you could see it best. And you just kind of take your finger, and you would slide this little lever down, and it would move the little disc, and then you could see something, and it looked sort of three mm-hmm. D ish and all that kind of stuff. In two thousand eight, no, two thousand seven, Missouri put one out on Chase Daniel. Cool. And it, I was like, this is the cool. It had Mizzou on the thing, and it had the disc inside that was of Chase Daniel. And it was just all these – and it was like goofy stuff. It was like, Chase Daniel was on game day last year. Yeah. Or did a post-game interview with these people. It was really kind of weird. Well, I was cleaning out my office at home, and I had to decide, like, I'm moving to a little bit smaller space, so I couldn't keep all my you little – got to keep that, though. That's really – I tossed it. Oh, man. I did. Come I on, tossed John. it. I know. I, I felt bad about it because I kept it for all these years, but I, but I tossed it. But I would have stacks of those notebooks. Stacks. Would you get videos? Stacks. Too? Uh, I got. I got. Uh, no, I didn't get videos. I got. Uh, I got RG three football cards. Hmm. Uh, I had. Um, let's see. Chase, the Chase Daniel viewfinder yeah, thing, which yeah. was you got the Crabtree Harrell cool. thing. Crabtree Harrell. I got the button. I got the notebook. I loved it, and I used to have. I I still have some of those notebooks. Yeah. Um, you know, you and I have talked about Eric Metcalf from time to time. Yeah. He was he was playing college ball when you were still in high school, so yep. you, you wouldn't have gotten this promo material. And I don't know that they necessarily sent this out, but somebody at the University of Texas made his Heisman campaign video. Yeah. And I think it was before the season started. And so they've got all these awesome videos of him, like cuts of him yeah. scoring. But they score and they had Ron Franklin voicing it, yes. which was big. Ron Franklin was he was the guy. But then they wrecked it. I mean, absolutely wrecked it by playing Alabama's, oh. not the not the state, but the, the group. The band. It's a good band. I mean, great. They pumped out hits. But they played You've Got the Touch, which is a real slow oh. love song. And, yeah. I did not get it. Go any. Google that. Eric Metcalf highlight. Well, tape. by that time, by 2007, everything was online. You could just, hey, they would send you a, they would send you a, a you know, a card. And they would say, uh, you know, here you go, go check out, uh, you know, BradfordForHeisman.com, mm-hmm. and then there would be a website. And so that's that's where they would do all their Heisman hype videos and all that kind of stuff. But the Rose Bowl sent uh, the Rose Bowl always had cool stuff. One year they sent coasters, mm. so they were like paper coasters though. And then they sent like a luggage tag, mm. like a black luggage tag that said that the like raised Rose Bowl game logo. Cool. And I was like, man. Get some cool, you know, get some cool stuff from the. I mean, I used the, the stuff you would get. I need to get back on that. You do need to get back in that. I don't cover college football as much as I used to. Hey, but, but you cover it, man. You're I qualified. You're qualified. I, I could definitely do that. I just have to figure out what outlet I cover it for. But that said, there, it's not quite like bowl game bag, bowl game bag swag. But it's Chachkiville, yes. nonetheless. You, and every now you and again, up. every now and again, you get some. Cool, and I remember when I got the Crabtree Harold book and and um, button. Like pff, this is 
this this is staying with me. Yeah, it was a, a very time. creative process that they went through. I, I wish you would have had Cody with you going through your office. That would have been fun. I really do. I mean, first of all, he would have put on the luchador mask uh-huh. uh, that our buddy Moscow gave to us. Yep, yep. He would have def- First of all, he would have worn that, mm-hmm. and he would have done all his commentary with that on. Yeah. So or that sunglasses because he always had on sunglasses. But he would have both. Yeah. I mean, he probably would have had sunglasses over the mask or the mask over the sunglasses. Either way, but just seeing him. Kind of, kind of poke the bear, if you will, with Drew. What is this for? Yeah, like finding all the recorders, finding the phone taps. That would have been pretty. Fu- yeah, we could have had a, a good time with that. That would have been that would have been a good one. Yeah, that would, the, going in my office. I obviously had I had not been there uh, as long, but going through my office, I think I think the one thing that I found, I was going through. I I would keep all the game programs. I I've always been big on that. I don't know why. I dumped out. Probably forty of them. They're, uh, yeah, they're outside the your desk. Yeah. I, I had like four. I had like three, four years of. I didn't have 2014 because I didn't have an office in 14. I became full time in 15. So I had 15, 16, and 17. And so I did want to go through. Like, oh man, who was on the cover? And it's a lot of the usual suspects. You know, JJ and then the Clowny. But and then Hopkins. you had some offshoots like Earl Mitchell and Jared Crick and, and Brock Osweiler. Yeah, Brock Osweiler. Uh, that was yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. That was. Uh, that was a that was a fun one, and it's the first game of the year, and I'm looking at it going, "Oh, it was a victory." He won that game. He did. He did win that game. Brock he threw was a couple a of touchdowns, and I don't know where it all went south, but yeah, to see him on the program was like, "Oh mm. man, yeah. wow!" This year will be tough to figure out. We got ten guys that have got to go on programs, and hopefully more once we get to the playoffs. Trying to figure out which ten those guys are, which ten guys will get program love this year. I think it's pretty easy for the first one. Well, yeah. For the first one, sure. Why not? Well, yeah. Go with it. Which Deshaun. one? Deshaun. Oh, you aren't going to go Watt the first one? Quarterback. Watt loves Liberty White Day. He JJ does. loves Liberty White Day. He does, but, you know, let's give him some time, you know. Okay. Let's give him some time. I was going to say. And he's going to be on the court. I would save Watson for Dallas. Would you? I would. How come? Because it's Dallas. All right, all right. I want my dude on the program for Dallas. Watt or Watson for Dallas, I think, would be the way to go. Yeah. Either way. I can't wait. You know, I was I did a a Q and A in the uh, Houston Methodist training center yesterday with Whitney Merciless. We did it. The, the youth camp had been going on this week, so it was the end of the day. They got to mingle with Whitney, but I did a Q and A with him, and then I opened up to questions for from the kids, and they had they probably had like eight or nine questions, and one of them was, "Have you ever had an interception?" And he said, "I almost did, but it dropped through my hands in Indianapolis." And then he finishes telling the story, and the kid goes, well, can you please get one against the Cowboys? <laughs> so, yeah, we all kind of – we're holding him to it. We hope he gets one this year. Well, we Whitney almost had one yeah, about against the Colts. Jacksonville. What? Jacksonville. Oh, okay. When Brock Bo- – when Brock Brock Bortles – Blake Bortles threw it off T.J. Yeah, Eldon's foot. Yes, yeah. But it got ruled a fumble mm-hmm. instead, and so he ended up not getting credit for the interception. So, yeah, Whit- get an interception. Maybe a couple of them, a couple sacks. Whatever you got to do. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing. Everybody will beat Dallas, beat Dallas. Hey, John, tell, tell the guys they got to beat Dallas. Like, you know that one means a lot to the city of Houston. Like, yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. Wait till that week. The players yeah. will understand it too. And hopefully we're 4-0 going into that one. So. That'd be nice. That's be the first story. time since 2 It would be nice. Very nice. Drew, thank you, brother. Have a great weekend. It's fun going down memory lane with you, Brosif. Yeah, man. Coming back, Ibrahim Campbell and Chad Slade. Don't know him? Well, We do, and we had them on Texans Radio, and they'll be up next.
One final segment of Texans All Access on this Friday evening. Glad to have been with you. My name is John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter. And it's my Friday. Yeah, Mark Vandermeer was here. He will have next Friday. And then we will have the week of July, uh, first week in July, sorry, the 4th of July week. We will have for you a Texans Radio Summer Celebration. I'll explain a little bit more what that means, but... There will be nobody in a building that week. Nobody. They're going to continue construction, and everybody's out. More than likely, there will be no Texans news over that week. So we will have a Texans radio summer celebration. We will celebrate a lot of the different, well, a lot of different things we did this offseason, a lot of player interviews, a lot of coaches' interviews, interviews with some other key people. And, of course, we'll have some Wednesday night draft. And on July 4th, I've got a special segment that we did that you will love on July 4th, the All-American Dude Draft. That was one of the most fun segments that we did, Mark, Drew, and myself. We drafted, it was really kind of off the cuff. We drafted four, actually maybe five, I can't remember, I think we did five, All-American Dudes. And there were so many, of course, there's only 15 that we selected, and there are so many that we left. And left off, and we heard it from Hugh on Twitter many, many times. You forgot this guy. You forgot that guy. And, of course, we even talked about the guy that we left off that should have been maybe the first pick, John Wayne. Oh, gosh. But you'll love hearing that All-American Dude draft and how we came to our selections. And that was really kind of off the cuff. It was something I'd come up with maybe about 15 minutes before we even started that segment. Mark and Drew jumped on it, and we just had a, we had a blast with it. So, We'll have that for you, amongst other things, in our summer celebration that will begin July 2nd, the first week in July. And then after that, it is all go towards the Greenbrier. Everything, we'll still have uh, our weekly shows, our daily shows, excuse me, and everything that you want heading up to the Greenbrier. Then in July, I believe it's July 26th, starting at 8 o'clock in the morning, Texans all access from the Greenbrier. Yes. Can't wait. Looking forward to that. So you got that on the horizon. But we got to finish up this show and next week as well. So let's get right into it. And I mentioned two guys that maybe a lot of people oh, that that follow the Texans but don't kind of dive deep into the Texans. Two names they may not be all that familiar with. Well, let me educate you a little bit. Ibrahim Campbell, a safety. A guy that played at Northwestern. Smart. Played with Brian Peters. I watched Campbell for four years at Northwestern, every year, got better and better and better. And then Chad Slade from Auburn, played offensive line, started from the offensive line the last couple of games for the Texans. I think this is now, if my math is correct, I think this is year four, 15, 16, 17, 18, I believe. I think it's year four, yeah, for Chad Slade. And a guy, like I said, that started the last couple of games of last year, where does he fit? on this offensive line. So we're going to hear from them both. Let's start with Ibrahim Campbell. Joining us right now in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, it's Ibrahim Campbell. How's it going? It's going well. Uh, this offseason, preseason, what are you working on individually to take that game up to the next level? Um, right now, uh, kind of just getting to, to Houston and with the Texans, my biggest thing is getting the playbook down because once I have that down, I can play fast. Um, so that's my focus right now. 
Does it almost feel like a, a rookie, being a rookie all over again every time you know you go to a new city and you have to learn the playbook and where everything is? Somewhat. Um, obviously, I feel a little bit a step ahead of the rookies in that I've, I've played in this league before, so mm-hmm. I kind of know what to expect. But uh, it's just the, the intricacies within the playbook. That is, I wanna... is it the terminology? That's sometimes what you hear is the terminology is the toughest part to master. Yeah, that's that's tough sometimes because you'll, you'll know what you want to get into, like what position or call you want to make with a guy but you don't necessarily know the terminology for this team um and that's the toughest thing that you just got to get sharp with that and then then it'll be flowing and then you can play fast you've got tyron you and tyron both kind of new i guess to the the texans but not new to the game of football how much have you two sort of leaned on each other through this process to sort of get get acclimated you know everyone everyone in the db room uh we've kind of been bouncing stuff off each other uh because we're all trying to get on the same page get uh push each other um, and the better better we are as a position group, the better we'll be on the field um, as a team. So we're, we're trying to push each other all across the board. How long did it take when you were in Cleveland to feel like things were getting to be second nature? Does that take a year, two years? I mean, how, do, how does that work? Well, the thing the thing about Cleveland is that every time, every year, uh, we actually had a different a different coordinator. So, yeah, I guess that would, that would <laughs> hurt the is process. Is that challenging? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a little different. Um, it's an adjustment. But, you know, you, you kind of get used to – the learning process of learning a new playbook. Um, so that, I think that's helped me in that way because that's kind of the nature of, of the NFL. It, uh, turnover happens. Um, so, you know, this, the sooner you can acclimate and, and get up to speed, the better off you'll be. Have you talked to Sammy Coates about the experience of being there and now coming here? Yeah, obviously any, anybody you've played with before, you, you, you try to link with, you have mutual uh, experiences. Um, mm-hmm. You, you kind of share those when, when you're out of there and in new places. What are your impressions of Houston so far? You're from Philly. You played in Cleveland. You went to Northwestern. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Houston. It's a big city, actually, pretty like really spread out. So uh, I, I still I feel like it's a great city, but I still feel like I have a lot to see. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of experience that while I'm here. And the heat. There's that. Yeah, there's that. But I, <laughs> Chicago and Cleveland, it's the complete opposite. So I, I'd rather the sun. You know. You would. You would. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good to hear because you'll get plenty See, of it. I like this. Yeah. I you'll like get that plenty you said of that. that. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. Yeah. When you go to Northwestern, what is that like? Because the Northwestern guys, you know, we, we have a lot of Vanderbilt guys here, or we have had and still do. And the Northwestern experience, I think, is somewhat similar. You know, great academic institution. Yeah. Can you compete with the big boys? And you clearly can. So yeah. what is that like? Uh, I mean, it was a great experience. Um, I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, the opportunity, like you said, to complete, to compete at the highest level uh, in the Big Ten in football and then push not only on the field but also off the field uh, kind of prepared you for whatever is next in life, football, anything, um, you know, because you're challenged in every way possible while you're there. So were you teammates with Brian Peters? You guys were there at the, around the same time, I was. Right? Him and I, him and I uh, were starting safeties my freshman year um, at, at Northwestern. And he was a starting safety. Yeah, he played safety bef- before. He and got now a he's bigger. a linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. So do you talk about that? I think I knew that, that somewhere in the recesses of my brain. <laughs> so have you uh, – yeah, what's that like? Reuniting with him? No, it's it's definitely really cool. Um, he he kind of welcomed me here. Uh, I stayed with him when I first got here, and he kind of showed me around the city a little bit, introduced me to a couple new things. So it's been great. Ibrahim, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. There are probably a lot of you out there that moved to Houston, didn't know anybody, had no idea, kind of had to work your way with friends and all that kind of stuff. It always kind of helps if you know somebody. And obviously, Ibrahim Campbell knew Brian Peters here. So we'll see what Ibrahim, Ibrahim is able to do at training camp at the Greenbrier, whether he can find a spot in this 53. And again, I don't think anything is locked away at safety. Obviously, Tyron Matthew added to that mix. But Andre Howe, not able to go seemingly for 2018. Corey Moore coming off an injury. Curtis Drummond is a guy that's been back there for a few years. Where does where do all those pieces fit? And of course, you got the rookie there, Justin Reed. And Tristan Deku and Kareem Jackson are moving to safety. So what does that mean for a guy like Ibrahim Campbell? Well, 
impress at the Greenbrier, has some really nice preseason games, and there's opportunities there. So we'll see what Campbell's able to do. Now, Chad Slade has been with this organization since 2015, and he finally got an opportunity to get on the 53. And, of course, once you get on the 53, you're on the 46. Once you get to the 46, there's a chance you're going to play. Well, there was not only a chance, there was a 100% chance because he was going to start and did some good things. And I know over the years the coaches have been impressed with Chad's growth over the years. There's been a lot of competition added at the guard spots. He has Avery Sufilo and Jeff Allen no longer there, bringing in Senio Calamete and Zach Fult. But where does Chad Slade fit in? Let's hear from the former Auburn product, Chad Slade. Chad Slade joining us in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. How's it going, Chad? It's going good. All right, so what's it going to be like this year? Got an opportunity here, a lot of juggling around in the offensive line, so how do you see it? I see it. Uh, it's going to be a lot of competition on the line. Uh, we're out there working hard. You know, it's going to be, you know, especially one of those positions that where you don't know who's going to. It's not set starters like mm-hmm. it has always been when I've been here in the past. My rookie year, I was here with Ben Jones, Brooks, and all that. that they had that set spot. But now it's, it's all about competition, and I feel like we're going to have a lot of competition in the room. It seems like they really want versatility out of the O-linemen as well. What is it that you feel it is about your game, the asset you can bring? Uh, you know, uh, you know, during this time, you know, I've been on the practice squad, so I've had the ability to show them that I can play right guard, right tackle, left guard, left tackle. I've had all this experience. And then, um, you know, coming in last year, being on active, I got to do a little bit of the heavy tight end role. I've, you know, sailed at the uh, right guard. And, you know, all these preseasons, I, I've been switched all over the place. So, I mean, that's how I was in college. I mean, college, I was all over the place from left tackle, right. I started every position but center. So, I mean, that's just something that I, I ba- like, you know, based my game off of. I'd imagine it'll also be easier coming back because you've had a year with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys coming in haven't had that. So how much does that help you moving forward that, you know, he's a very unique quarterback. Yeah. I would imagine it's it's different for different quarterbacks, but how does that make your job easier? It makes my job easier because I know what I'm going to get from Deshaun. I mean, Deshaun's one of, you know, the most amazing quarterbacks we've seen, you know, today. Being a rookie, I mean, last year you couldn't really tell that he was a rookie. I mean, he came in a huddle. He took control. I mean, he had so much passion in the game, you know, so much poise that, you know, you're just like, you know, hey, you know, I got to block for some – I've, I've ordered to block for some guy like that. But, I mean, he's, it's going to be a good thing to be able to go out there knowing who I got, you know, how to block, you know, knowing that's going – you know, some plays are going to take longer than others. I mean, you know, that's how Deshaun is. He's going to make plays. So it's going to take more than others. you got to keep blocking to the whistles. Great answer. Hey, Chad, you've been here for a while, as you said. You know, people hearing you say that you've been here with Ben Jones and Brandon Brooks, and it sounds like mm-hmm. a while. How long does it take for the light to go on, you think? I mean, because clearly it doesn't happen right away for offensive linemen. I remember talking to some veterans, pro bowlers, who said three, four years. So how do you see it? Uh, I see it. I mean, I, I've came in undrafted. I mean, of course, that's just, you know, one of the hard things that, you know, most people come in and like, you know, I wasn't drafted and all that. But you have to outwork other people, you know. I mean, of course, I've been here since 2015. I've been here for a while. So, I mean, I've had to outwork myself. i got to work myself up. So, I mean, I've been from the practice IR, the practice squad, I mean, active roster. I mean, I've, I've worked for that. I mean, I've mm-hmm. I maintained my game off, you know, just looking up to people. I've, I've had so many mentors, as in like Chris Clark, Dwayne Brown. I've had all those mentors to me that, you know, they told me like, you know, you have the ability to play. You just got to go out there and show it. You know, you can't, you know, get down because, you know, you're not up there yet. You can't get down because, you know, you're in the back of the, you know, back of the room. You can't get down for that. You got to go out there and just keep working and working and working and your time will come. Excellent. Chad, thanks a lot for joining us. Oh, thank you. 
Each and every training camp, Mark Vandermeer and I, we do uh, a thing where we look at the play, the subterranean players, the players we all know about, Deshaun Watson, J.J. Wow, we all talk about those particular players. And then there's kind of the, I don't want to say mid-level guys, but kind of the next tier guys. And then there's the group of guys that are subterranean, below the earth, that nobody's even talking about, nobody's even mentioning. And we love talking about those guys because invariably one of those guys is going to end up making the roster. And Chad Slade and Ibrahim Campbell end up being kind of two of, the, two of the guys that fall in there that have played some football for this team, have been on the 53-man roster, have been on the active 46 on game days. But we're not really talking about them as much. Can either one of them end up getting in that 46 and finding more playing time as their career moves on? That's obviously a big question, something we'll talk about a lot from now all the way through training camp. So we'll definitely talk about those two down the road. No question about that. A big thanks to my other two, Mark Vandermeer and Drew Doherty, for joining me, to my guys back at Sports Radio 610, to all of you for listening. Everybody have a safe and happy weekend. See you on Monday, everybody. And as always, go Texans.